Welcome to Our Plant Stories, a podcast where we dig into the stories that plants tell us about people and places. And along the way, we build our own gardening knowledge and learn to grow the plants. This week, we're going to learn quite a lot about apple trees. Every pip that you plant is actually a new variety. In that sense, apples are like humans. You have the mother and the father, and then you have a new variety, that the child is is a new, unique, individual variety. But first, there's always a story. And this week, it takes us from Scotland to Canada via Lincolnshire, on the trail of an apple tree that is celebrating a rather special 150th anniversary. All the branches were being propped up by canes and this is because the apples were so large that they were weighing the branches down, putting a lot of strain on the tree itself. It was a really funny sight because these apples, and I kid you not, they were the size of small footballs. So the apple tree in question is tied quite tightly to the identity of Andy Peasgood, who you just heard, and yes, he did say a small football. I've been following Andy's brilliant Instagram posts about his garden for some time, So when I began to look for stories for this podcast, I messaged him asking if he might have a plant story. He replied saying that what he really wanted to know more about was the Peasgood's non-such apple. I confess it wasn't quite what I was expecting, but it has taken me on a great plant story journey. I grew up in Lincolnshire and most of my family lived in the county too. And it was when I visited my grandparents on my father's side, I'd probably spend most of my time in the garden. I had no interest in sitting indoors whilst everybody else made conversation. I just headed straight outside to explore. Now, in the centre of my grandparents' garden, there was this apple tree. And, uh, I mean, quite frankly, at the time, I had no idea that it was an apple tree. I just knew it was huge. And I suppose, like, like all children, like we're Jack and the garden is our beanstalk. Everything is big. So I'd spend my time nosing around the garden and then had spent plenty of time pretending to be a rabbit hopping around underneath what felt to be this huge tree pretending it was a bunny home um it's actually quite sweet really but as for the tree itself i had no idea it was an apple tree and therefore i have no recollection really of the apples i went away at the age of 11 to begin full-time professional training at the royal ballet school in london And it's probably not something I would notice before, but when I visited home, on one particular occasion, I noticed that there was a new tree in the garden. And it turns out that upon the um, unfortunate passing of my grandparents, my mum had gone and dug up that tree, that very same tree from the centre of the garden, that tree that I pretended to be a rabbit underneath. Um, She dug it up, popped it into the car, so it was emerging from the sunroof, emerging from the top of the car, and she drove it all the way home and replanted it in the family garden. Um, that's quite a, it's quite an amusing thought there, but it was it was here where I realised that the um, the tree wasn't as huge as I thought, merely two to three metres or so. But what was really funny is that all the branches were being propped up by canes, and this is because the apples were so large that they were weighing the branches down, putting a lot of strain on the tree itself. Um, it was a really funny sight because these apples, and I kid you not, they were the size of small footballs, very heavy, yellow with a red stripe down them. Now, I've never tried one um, uncooked myself, but I've been told they're quite sharp. But what I do know is that these very large apples make a very good apple pie. My grandmother on my mother's side makes an incredible one. 
and um, more often than not, these apple pies, the apples would have come from the Peas Good Nonsuch. And if anyone out there has a Peas Good Nonsuch, I'm sure that they're forever giving away um, the apples to families and friends, and I'm sure that they are constantly surprised by the size of them. My mum once said its name to me, and on first hearing it, I didn't believe her, because I thought, why would anyone name an apple tree after Peasgood? It's really not a common name. Um, so that thought process quite literally stopped there, uh, very abruptly. But years later, I did take an interest again, and upon a bit more research, I discovered that this particular cultivar was grown by Miss Peasgood in Lincolnshire. Now that feels like a bit of a coincidence, Peasgood, an uncommon name, both in Lincolnshire, and it turns out that the reason why my family came to have this particular cultivar was that it was bought as a gift because of its name, the Peasgood Nonsuch. Now my curiosity on any relation still beckons here, um, and if there is a relative link, I suppose I'd only really know via a family tree search, but I guess for now... Um, those memories, the stories, the incredible apple pies and the curiosity is a beautiful thing and a beautiful story, I think. So where to go with the story of Andy's apple tree? Well, the small child under the tree grew up to become a professional ballet dancer. Until recently, a principal dancer with Scotland's national dance company, Scottish Ballet. And he's now an artist and teacher to the Dance School of Scotland. But, as I've explained, he also loves gardening, documenting it on Instagram. So to help us follow the story of the apple tree, he quickly pointed me to an amazing website called Orange Pippin, where there are huge lists and reviews of many different varieties of apple trees. And it became apparent that this tree, the Peas Goods Nonsuch, was going to take us on an international journey. There were several reviews for the tree from New Zealand, but the one that caught my eye was from Anna in BC which said that the tree was developed in Lincolnshire by her great-grandmother. A quick search found me one Anna in BC, who kindly answered my out-of-the-blue email to say that she was the wrong Anna, though she was a Peasgood by marriage. And she wrote, I happen to have two Peasgood non-such apples, which after years of searching, I was able to procure from a specialty grower on Vancouver Island last year. So in the search for the right Anna from BC, that's Anna with two N's, as opposed to Anna with one N, who I found quite easily, um, I thought one of the things I could do was search in the directory, in the phone directory for BC. And in fact, there are only one, two, three, four, five, six Peas Goods in BC listed. So I thought, well, if I try phoning each of them up and see if they know Anna with two N's who might have an orchard who might know about the peas good non-such apple I might just be lucky I mean who knows it may not be the right people it may not be the right peas goods but you never know anyway we're going to give it a go Hello, I wonder if you can help me. Um, I'm looking for Anna. Um, my name is Sally and I'm phoning from um, London in the UK. Yeah. Um, I'm a radio producer 
And I am making a program about the peas good non such apple. Oh, yeah. Which will either mean something to you or not, <laughs> depending on whether I've got the right peas good. <laughs> so I did have some lovely conversations with some very kind Canadians who made some very helpful suggestions. But sadly, I didn't find Anna. So I tried another tack, the UBC Botanical Garden at the University of British Columbia. My ignorance, but I did not know how big apple growing was in British Columbia. It turns out that the UBC Botanical Gardens have an apple festival, usually with up to 60 varieties of apples for sale, grown in the Okanagan and Fraser Valley, and about another 20 varieties added for their tasting tent. They've had up to 18,000 people attending the two-day festival. Pam kindly shared my email with some of the volunteers who've been buying for the festival for the past 30 years. However, before that gardening grapevine could really get going, I got a message. I've been sent your email by the Orange Pippin site. You were inquiring about the peas good. May I first ask why? Anna. Remember, if as a curious gardener you want to use these plant stories to grow your own gardening knowledge, you can find lots more information on the website about this plant and all the others we've featured so far, which includes peonies and passionflowers and mint plants. Just to say, we're going to hear about a £1.12 ounce apple. To help us visualise that, I did some weighing with a bag of eating apples, and it was the equivalent of five of them. It turns out Anna has a lot of amazing documents about this apple, including a photograph of a man with Peasgood's non-such apples, and she showed it to me and Andy Peasgood. Who's this? Well, those are the first apples off the tree, and there were nine of them, and look at the size. Yeah, that's wonderful. And it doesn't tell me who it is, but it came with all these other papers. You see... Can you see one pound, 12 ounce apple? Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? It's huge. So who do you think that is, Anna? Do you have any idea? Well, I would, I would guess this is the man from the Horticultural Society. It says, the recent reference on this page to the apple, Peasgood's Nonsuch, a variety famed as the largest and handsomest grown, brought to light an interesting account of how the apple was raised. For this, I am indebted to Mr. Alwyn Standing, um, Arundel Road, Worthing, a girl in her teens living in Grantham, planted five pips and one grew, and prospered in her Lincolnshire home garden until she met Mr. Peasgood, who thereupon took her as his wife, also the young apple tree, which was then transplanted to their new garden in Stamford. So the apple tree followed his name as opposed to hers. Right. <laughs> it says Peasgood on my family tree. It says Thomas Peasgood, and her name was Frances. Oh, wow. So Thomas Peasgood is the husband of Frances who raises yes. the first Peasgood non-such apple. That's what it shows here, yes. And you also <laughs> have documents from the Royal Horticultural Society as well, don't you, Anna? I have. Shall I continue this? Because it goes down in two more paragraphs. Yeah, do. Seven years passed and the tree blossomed and bore seven fine apples. Now that conflicts with showing a picture of nine apples, but anyway. These were exhibited at Stanford Flower Show in 1873. And 
afterwards sent to the Royal Horticultural Society for inspection, and there duly named and honoured. At a subsequent show at the Guildhall London, a dish of peas goods none such exhibited, including one specimen weighing one and three quarter pounds, was accepted by Queen Victoria. The reputation held by peas goods none such of being the largest apple in cultivation appears to be unassailable. Isn't that amazing? And this one came from the Royal Horticultural Society when it named the tree. So the Royal Horticultural Society were responsible for naming it the Peas Good yes. Nonsuch. Is that what that yes. letter explains to Yes, you? yes it is. It says, I have the honour to return you the thanks of the Royal Horticultural Society for the exhibition of fruit of a seedling apple at the meeting of the Fruit and Vegetable Committee on something 18th at South Kensington. And this was 1872, slight conflict there too. A first-class certificate, and as fruit, it's written in a, in a hand that I'm not reading very well, named for future recognition, this committee took the liberty of naming it Peas Goods Nonesuch. Interesting. <laughs> so how come you have these documents? From my grandfather. My grandfather was a saddle maker in Wandsford, and he had all these... I, I still have the briefcase that he made himself. It's all hand-stitched leather briefcase like this. He made all kinds of beautiful things. But he stitched it and he kept these in that. And he... Let me look on the family tree here. He was Henry Strickson and his wife was Frances, who was daughter of Thomas and Frances Peasgood. Yeah. Got it. So he marries one of he married Mr. The and Mrs. Peasgood, who've got the apple, one of their daughters, Frances. Yes. Yes. And obviously he ends up with the letters from the RHS, puts them in his bag, hands them on down to your parents, who yeah. now then presumably mother. your mother, who then emigrated to Canada? Yes. Um, first of all, in 53, and came out again in 61. And basically been here since then <laughs> so could you be related andy in some way do you think do you have a family tree andy i don't um and i'm thinking i should so my yes. earliest recollection uh, recollection of this um apple tree is via my grand my grandma she was in the bertram mill circus and oh. she settled in Grimsby and my granddad he worked on the docks in the Grimsby docks and the tree was bought as a gift because of its name but I find with such quite a rare name and that's such close proximity mm -hmm. that that's what why it's always your, stayed with what me. What were your grandparents names? So it's um, Sydney and Pearl. I don't I don't see them on here but they could have been related to one of the six children mm. that Thomas Peacegood had. Yes, I mean, there the could certainly be certainly be a connection. And I think that's the thing that's always stayed with me is how uncommon a name um, and being in such close distance. Yes. And I think that's the kind of thing that my family liked about it as well, which is why we ended up with um, Peace Good Man Such within the family. Uh, see, mine is collected here. 
from a tree about 10 miles from here. And that we have a, an orchardist living, well, it's one on one on, on one of the islands. I'm, we live on an island. And it, on one of the islands, he has an orchard. And I met him in town and I said to him, do you know this tree? And he said, yes, I do. So I got very excited. And so he collected a piece from the tree that's 10 or 12 miles away and grafted it. And he said, it'll be a couple of years. And he's grafted it on a shorter stock. So it's a small tree. Um, and it's a very pretty little tree, actually. It's not a huge tree. It's probably, oh, I don't know, t- 10, 8, 10 feet high. And, and it's got a lovely shape to it. It's got a, a perfect little apple tree shape to it. Tell me about the apple, both of you. <laughs> Apparently you're not a fan. You're not a fan of, of, a, of a baked apple. <laughs> Well, I, I, I actually like baked apples. That I was telling Anna that, that um, my husband famously can eat anything. You know, if you put a plate in front of him, he from a young child, he was basically taught kind of thing that, you know, you eat everything on your plate. Yes. But there is one thing that he really can't handle, and it's baked apples. And the first time he met my parents, which was pretty much basically telling them that we were going to get married, um, they, my mum produced a baked apple. I'm looking at Andrew's face, obviously thinking, these are my future in-laws. And the one thing I know I really can't cope with is a baked apple. And here it is. And I just looked at him and thought, you're going to have to do that one, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) They do make fabulous baked apples, these ones. They they just, you put them in the oven and they sort of sit there and then they just fluff. And they turn it almost to foam. They're amazing. As my yeah. grandma, as all through my childhood, was um, making apple pies yeah. with it, and it was just the most delicious thing with a homemade custard, and we were, we were oh. all satisfied, all satisfied cousins, aunties, uncles, and um, yeah, they'd stretch a mile. And you know, the, the uh, my mum says there there are times where they can literally be the size of a small kind of training football, yeah. and that's and which is why she has such difficulty. Um, propping the branches up on yeah. um, around around the tree because you know the the kind of strain that it's putting on the branches. And why do you think they didn't become commercial? Don't store long enough. Don't store as long as Bramleys well, do. I I I don't know about that. You see, over here it's just apples. We don't have the difference over here between eating apples and cooking apples. I mean, they are think, really huge. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think in the modern day, they would possibly be. A bit of an inconvenience in your shopping oh, in your shopping basket. I mean, you'd have to produce <laughs> buy one. Yeah. <laughs> a stack of peas, good man. Such, I think you'd only find a couple in a crate. So I think it would be difficult <laughs> to store, um, and uh, they'd sell out very quickly. Yeah. On the um, orange pippin site, there were quite a lot of reviews of the apple in New Zealand. Interestingly, yes. On that website, there were, and I have no idea how they would have got, I mean, who knows, maybe some of these six children emigrated, I don't know. Yeah. My father's sister, he's good, she lives in New Zealand, oh. and um, but she did move over there quite a number of years ago. One of the reviews here says, we have a dozen of these on dwarf rootstock, and all but one produce a heavy crop of big apples every year. Biggest to date weighed 964 grams or a little over two pounds. Average is over half of that. Very tasty, sweet enough to eat as an eater, but so big you need to share it with others. 
lovely baked, one apple between two people. Dries very well in her dehydrator and we mm-hmm. stew and freeze large, large volumes every year. So I have some for breakfast 365 days of the year. Wow. I haven't done that. We've, we do drying with pears, but I should do that. I should dry some of them. And there's another one actually in West Yorkshire I saw, which says, found a tree growing in the old DVLA test centre car park three years ago and have grafted a number of rootstocks since. My wife laughed when I said it was the nicest apple I'd ever tasted, but I've lost count of the number of people who've agreed with me since. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. That's interesting. Considering, I think, from, from the origins of the story, how only one seed took from the several that were planted to then suddenly be in a DVLA car park. That one's quite, <laughs> quite, quite fascinating. Maybe the birds me. helped. <laughs> hopefully, birds hopefully. spreading the seeds. I do plan on um, getting one myself. Um, just through some research that they can, people have said that they can do quite well on the dwarf, dwarf stock um, in a container as well. So that could be something to experiment with. Do you either of you know where the non-such comes from? What does that mean? He's good non-such. Yes. It's in the Oxford Dictionary. It's in the Oxford Dictionary, and it tells you that is there is none such like it, none as good as. So on the orange pippin, it says here, the term non-such is seen in several variety apple names and had a more favourable meaning in Victorian times than it sounds today. The French form of the same word is son parel or non parel and is found in several old English apple names. We tra- when translated, this gives the true meaning of non-such, i.e. unsurpassed. And I didn't sort of click until just now reading this. It has got an S in the middle, no, uh, P's goods, apostrophe S. Mm-hmm. P's goods, non-such. I thought it was just P's good, non-such, but it isn't. Oh, that, that kind of more relates to your letter, doesn't it, from the RHS in a way, saying yeah. it's going to be called yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. P's goods, non-such. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah, belonging to. Mm. Belonging to peace goods. Oh, this one's interesting. This is from W and J Brown Nursery Moment in Stamford. Have great pleasure in introducing the following new apple, peace goods, none such. Now, in this case, it has an e in it, whereas often it doesn't have an e in it. This handsome apple was prevented was presented before the Fruit Committee of the Royal Horticultural Society, and it gives the date again, September 18th, 1872. But down here, it says, um, the fruit is like a very large nonsuch. It is a large, handsome variety of the Blenheim orange type, yellow with red spots, beautifully streaked with deep crimson on the sunny side. The eye is very large and open, set in a deep, round, and even basin, and with short, depauperated segments. Stalk is short, deeply inserted. Flesh is yellowish, tender, and very juicy, with a sweet and sprightly flavor and pleasant oma. It is a valuable culinary apple, also fine for dessert, in use September to November. Um, it says underneath, early orders are solicited as the stock is very limited. Dwarfs each seven and six. Dwarf trained and pyramids ten and six. Trade terms on application. Mr. P is good. will be very happy 
personally to give further particulars respecting the above extraordinary fruit at 169 Upper Street, Islington North. I love the fact that you could get it direct from the grower. <laughs> it's like a signed copy of the book almost, isn't it? Really? What's been really fascinating is that the Peace Good Non-Search has kind of something that's always been on a back burner of thought for myself and something that's kind of always been there and one, oh, you know, we should really try and find out a bit more. And um, this has really been a brilliant opportunity for myself, not only just to kind of learn more about the um, the apple tree, but about its origins, its history, how it's travelled as well, you know, because nature has just this incredible way of how it will, it will always win and we're not there to challenge it but just to um to just help out where we can and just to see that it's also in New Zealand as well and in several orchards I think it's just such the most beautiful thing well I think obviously all peas good should have a peas good non-such really in their garden so. that's clearly be... the way forward isn't it <laughs> well it also, also non-peas goods <laughs> yes just most connected <laughs> maybe there's a plant somewhere in your memory that you'd like to find plant, nurture, grow. Perhaps this podcast can help. Get in touch and share your plant story and we'll look for other growers and the connections across continents, across history, across gardens. Now I promised that this podcast can help you to grow your plant knowledge because if we have sown the seed of enthusiasm then you might want to go a little further. So who better to help us this week than Richard Borry from the Orange Pippin site. And I love the story of how this website developed. Beware plant gifts? I think we started out probably around about the the year 2000. Um, I had, I'd been given an apple tree which uh, for my birthday, which I planted in the garden. And uh, I, I am, uh, and was then a website developer. So, but in those days, the internet was uh, hardly existed. Uh, websites were kind of a new thing. Uh, so I, I created a, a website and uh, put a photo of my new kids orange red apple tree on it and uh, uh and then i seem to get emails from people saying what about this that and the other and uh so i, I steadily added more and more varieties and uh it, it soon became a, a kind of hobby that got out of control <laughs> badly <laughs> say i want to um do a mrs p's good plant a seed propagate a new apple tree is that possible yes that that's a great thing to do it's a it's a fascinating thing to do uh, but it's also fraught with uh, some complications that you need to be aware of. When you plant the pip, it will not be a piece good non-such. Uh, all you'll be able to say is that the uh, the mother of of your new pip seedling was a piece good non-such. Uh, the father, the pollen parent, is going to be whatever happened to be blowing around the orchard where the uh, where the mother tree was was located. You've no idea what that's going to be, but it, it's, it could well be a crab apple uh, because most orchards use crab apples as pollinators because they produce so much pollen. And the chances of it being uh, remotely good are minuscule. But don't let that put you off because, you know, you, you could sort of strike the jackpot. It, it could be the next uh, delicious or the next kid's orange red. Uh, it, it, it could be something really special. The, the other complication is that once you get your seedling uh, growing, it's going to take about eight years before you see any fruit, much longer than you might think. And the tree will just get steadily bigger uh, and it will actually get, in the end, it, it could get to uh, sort of five or six metres tall. 
So it's going to be a big thing. If you wanted to short circuit that process, then after about two or three years, you could take some cuttings and send them to a nursery that will propagate them on a dwarf rootstock. And then you'll start to see fruit uh, a year or so later. So at least by then you'll get a feel for, have I got the next uh, delicious apple or have I got a complete dud? Every pip that you plant is actually a new variety. Uh, in, in that sense, apples are like, are like humans. Um, the, you have the mother and the father, and then you have a new variety that the child is, is a new, unique individual variety. And if it turns out to be um, a, a good variety, so it has a, a good flavor or good characteristics, um, then it would be propagated um, and cloned, if you like, for, uh, and put on a rootstock. And that's, that's how all apple trees are produced. But at the start, it's a, it's a unique individual. And one of the things I think we've found with uh, Orange Pippin is, is to compare apple varieties which have the same or have the same parentage. So in effect, they are their siblings. They've got the same mother and the same father. Or what happens more often is they're cousins. So they might have the same mother and a different father. Uh, and if you look at the, the world's most famous apple varieties like Cox, uh, like Golden Delicious, for example, you'll find that huge numbers of new modern varieties uh, have been developed using one or other of those as, as parents. So, and it's interesting to just see how, how the, the qualities and characteristics of the, of the parent uh, are carried through into the children and the grandchildren, exactly as you would see with, with human children with, and, and grandchildren, you know, sometimes... Uh, maybe the, the grandfather had red hair and uh, that was bypassed in the next generation, but maybe one of the grandchildren has red hair. And it's, it's that kind of uh, following of characteristics that you also see with, with apple varieties. It's almost like you're finding a family tree. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's exactly the same. And what if someone has an apple tree growing in their garden and they don't know what variety it is? How do you work that out? Um, it, it's... In the UK, the, the best thing to do is to send samples to the National Fruit Collection at Brogdale. They, they have a, an identification service on their website. And uh, I think in many cases, Dr. Joan Morgan, the uh, author of the Book of Apples, will, will personally be involved in, in doing the identification. And uh, with, with the kind of knowledge that uh, people such as Joan Morgan have, they, they can identify just by looking at it and looking at the, the different characteristics uh, I think for the rest of us uh, sort of uh, who have a, a passing knowledge of apples, uh, the best thing to do would be to uh, perhaps take it to a local Apple Day event because quite often you find that um, apples tend to be sort of grown in, in the local area. So if you, if you find a local apple festival, it's quite likely that there'll be some kind of expert there and uh, he or she will be familiar with what's been grown traditionally, uh, you know, whether it's in, in Manchester or, or Kent. Uh, tends to be a, a different history of, of apple varieties. Well, one of my uh, contacts at the National Fruit Collection, he was obviously always asked this kind of question. He used to say to me, um, if, if I really don't know what it is, then I, I kind of stroke my beard pensively and I announce that it's probably Laxton's Superb on the basis that it could well be Laxton Superb and uh, no one else is going to know any better anyway. So, <laughs> so the answer is, if in doubt, it's Laxton Superb. You'll, you'll be right, perhaps uh, 5% of the time at least. 
Head over to the website and you can find pictures of Anna's documents, pictures of the trees, links to Richard's site, Dr. Joan Morgan's book. You get the idea. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I'd love you to rate and review it on your podcasting app so other gardeners might find us and hopefully we'll find more stories. You can also, of course, hear it via the website, ourplantstories.com, so you can share it with someone who doesn't yet listen to podcasts. Plant Stories is produced and presented by me, Sally Flatman. <laughs>